0: The recording that you're about to listen to is a talk from the City Bible Forum. We would appreciate you respecting our copyright by not making copies of this talk or altering the content in any way. We hope that you find the material beneficial. If you would like more information on the City Bible Forum, you can visit us on the web at citybibleforum.org. All right, great to see you here, folks. Um, let me start talking to you about something that's kind of dear to my heart. And that is going on holidays. And uh, uh, I don't know, if, you, if you've got a family, if you like as, where you grew up or a family at the moment, you'll know there's kind of a routine. Uh, the routine that happened in the Stewart family was, first of all, uh, Kathy would pack the bags for the family. Uh, we had four kids, that's kind of what it would look like. Uh, and she's a big strong girl, she'd carry them out to the car. And then it was Dad's job to pack the car, which is kind of Tetris but under more pressure. And there's certain big things that have to go in. You know, there's the blue tub full of Lego and there's kids' bikes and the Esky and all that kind of hard stuff like that. And then at the end, there's stuff that kind of just fits in. Like there's a couple of dunas that kind of fit into the crevices and a sleeping bag and you push it all in and then you slam the lid and it's like, boom. <clears throat> by that time, the kids are sick of it. They're having a massive fight. You have a fight with the wife. You jump in the car and it's ready to go. And they're asking over oh, there yet before you're a block away. Now, what's that going to do with anything? I want to talk to you today about the idea of spirituality, and mind you, most most people have the idea there's some kind of spiritual side to life. There's something more than just the material, but we're busy. We've got you know jobs to do, and usually we try and get the job that's that really kind of as as, as high powered as we can cope with, and then and then we get a mortgage that's kind of as big as we can hope to pay for, and and then we've got a long commute sometimes, and. There's time pressure, you've got family, either the one you're from or the one you're in, or, and maybe a hobby or two. And you just kind of need sometimes to fit the spirituality thing in around the edges. So some people will take up some, an interest in Buddhism maybe that kind of fits in, or maybe it's yoga. Some people do that with Christianity. They kind of, they're kind of involved with the church somewhere or turn up now and then. You know, C of E doesn't stand for a Church of England, Christmas and Easter. That's what it stands for. You just kind of fit it in as you can. And I was thinking, you know, I had an idea today. Maybe there's a possibility for Jesus, the way to do it. Uh, This is the Royal Exchange Club. It's down in Gresham Street, which is on uh, on Bridge Street, about a kilometre that way. It's a business club that was started for people who maybe, I think it was 1860s, something like that. A lot of uh, exchange about wool, that sort of thing. And now it's a little club with nice white napkins and um, what I like about it is The old deaf guy, and I'm half deaf, I can hear in there. And the food's pretty good. So memberships come up now, and um, full membership is $330, which is pretty good for what you get. And you can book the room free of charge. By the way, they're not sponsoring. This is just... um. (laughs) You book the room free of charge, that's really... But $330, I'm a bit of a cheapskate. And then I notice associate membership. It's only a quarter of the price, $75. Now, you don't get all the privileges, but you get some, and there's... Very little commitment, $75, and so I think I'll become an associate member. Now, what would it be like to be an associate member in terms of following Jesus? He's got lots of good ideas, you know, they kind of love your neighbour as yourself, and the Sermon on the Mount, it's kind of it's got good stuff in it, and you wouldn't have to be too involved. What do you think Jesus would say about associate membership? Let's have a look. Uh, what we're going to do is have a look at part of Luke's Gospel. If you were here last week, remember, we're going to... Um, work our way through the half of our blocks of the forum. Uh, this, this year we're going to be working on Luke's Gospel, and I showed you Daryl Box, um, B-O-C-K. Daryl Bock is a brilliant American scholar, and he's written a book. So it's, the scholars would call it a commentary on Luke's Gospel. It's 2,148 pages. And so that you can lift it, they divided it into two. Um, this is on my desk, and maybe if you've got good eyes, you can see where he divides it, It's not at random. He divides it at chapter 9, verse 51, where there's an absolutely crucial turning point in Luke's history about Jesus. Let me show you in terms of the uh, uh, the structure of Luke. So Luke chapters 1 and 2 uh, cover the birth of Jesus and a little bit of information about him as a boy. In chapters 3 to 9, when Jesus, if you like, goes public, uh, begins his preaching, teaching, miracles, all that kind of thing, up north in Galilee, by chapter 9, the early part of chapter 9, his disciples realize that he's the Messiah or the Christ, God's great King. And then the question is, what does he come to do? And chapter 9, verse 51 says, At this time Jesus set his face. It's the idea of like almost clenched his jaw, deciding that he had to walk to Jerusalem. And the next 10 chapters, from chapter 9 through to chapter 20, are about him walking to Jerusalem. Uh, it's a long way, it's uh, about 109 kilometres as the crow flies. And he's walking that way and calling people uh, to follow him. And what will it mean? So uh, in your outlines on the left-hand side, the part of the Bible that we're looking at is printed out. With some parts of the Bible there's a problem and that is it's hard to work out exactly what it means. Yeah, and there are some parts of the Old Testament hard to work out exactly what it means. There's a problem with this part of the Bible, and that is, it's absolutely easy to work out what Jesus means. And once you work it out, whoa, that's a problem, okay? It's kind of, it's it's in your face. And what it is, is three little cameos of would-be disciples. Jesus is saying, follow me, and there's three little cameos of disciples who come up to say to him, well, let's have a look, and let me walk you through these cameos and you'll see what I mean what does it mean to follow Jesus what does he expect of people who would follow him first one as they were walking along uh, as they were walking along the road a man said to him I will follow you wherever you go uh, that's a, a good translation but in the original uh, now you can see you can see why they said as they were walking along the road but in the original what Luke actually says is as they were walking in the way hodos, the way. Significance of that? Uh, In the early Christian church, in the book of Acts, Luke's second volume, people referred to being a Christian as a follower of the way. I'm a follower of the way, and here are these people walking, or Jesus and his disciples are walking in the way. And Luke wants us to see this as a kind of a metaphor or a picture of what it would mean to be a Christian, to follow Jesus. And this man says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus' answer, Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man, his way of talking about himself, has no place to lay his head. What's he saying? I think Jesus is saying, don't be too quick to volunteer. Why? Because he's an itinerant, it costs. If you follow Jesus, he will take you out of your comfort zone. It will be difficult at times, I think is what he's saying. The second... um, little cameo. He said to another man, follow me. But He replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But, he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Part of the thing that uh, Daryl Bock and others who write books about Luke's gospel fill up their 2,000 pages with is there's some debate about what is this man actually saying. Is he saying, let me go and live with Dad for another five or ten years or whatever until Dad dies and then I'll be ready? Or is he saying, my father has died, I need to go to the funeral and then do the whole kind of days of mourning thing? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's debate backwards and forwards. I think for our purposes it doesn't really matter because what's he saying? To bury my father is in the first century, and I think I'd say probably the 21st century, the highest social obligation there is to bury a parent, father or mother. Um, In the first century, being a priest in the temple was the right at the peak of what was important and burying parents was even more important than that you could have time off to go and do that but you look at Jesus answer it's it's strange Jesus said to him let the dead bury their own dead but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God now I'll come back to the idea of the kingdom of God but let the dead bury their own dead what, what does he mean Jesus teaches, the New Testament says, that those who aren't in relationship with God, those who are away from God and ignoring Him, are spiritually dead. And if you come back, find forgiveness and know God through His Spirit, you become spiritually alive, alive to God. What's Jesus saying? Um, Those who have no interest in God, those who aren't switched on spiritually, if you like, they can do those things. Much more important to go and proclaim or tell people about the kingdom of God. So, um, now, um, I think this is hyperbole. Uh, hyperbole is when you overstate something to make a case. So you say to someone, I've told you a million times to stop exaggerating. Okay? <laughs> actually, actually, if you you know, or you say to your kids, I've told you a million times to... Well, then it's probably not hyperbole, because you do tell them a million times. Oh, no, that's another <laughs> story. Uh, he's making the point here. Uh, interestingly if you do follow Jesus he won't tell you neglect your family and and particularly your parents, he'll tell you the opposite but there might be questions about that later I'd be very happy to answer questions about Jesus and parents, but you see his point, he's saying you follow me, you've got to put me and and the kingdom of God over the top of more important than any social obligation Uh, and the the third little cameo still another said I'll follow you Lord but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family Uh, perfectly legitimate request (coughs) if you'd grown up reading the Old Testament I know some of us some of us had the privilege of going to Sunday school or my mum used to read me the Bible when I was a little kid if you'd grown up with the Old Testament that would ring a bell because that little phrase about being called you know, come with me, and then say, "Let me go back and say goodbye to my family." It's it's an echo of, in the Old Testament. This is just a, a line drawing of the, the man on the left, the older man, is supposed to be the great prophet Elijah, uh, about 700 BC, something like that. Elijah's um, probably the most notable prophet in Israel for hundreds of years. As he grew older, God said to him, "I want you to call this younger man Elisha." Okay, so got Elijah and Elisha to succeed you as prophet, to, to follow after you. And the way that they did it, this is um, in 1 Kings chapter 19, if you want to read it for yourself later in the Old Testament. they Literally, we say, you know, put the hand on the shoulder, that's someone. In those days, Elijah put his cloak or his mantle, we still say pass the mantle, don't we? He put his cloak or his mantle over the shoulders of Elisha. And you notice in the, in the story, in the Old Testament, Elisha is ploughing with, uh, with oxen in, in his home village. And Elisha says, I will follow you, but first let me go and kiss my family goodbye. And Elijah says, Yes, of course, that's, you know, that's reasonable. What have I done to you? Right? It's a tough call. Yeah, go and say goodbye to your family. And so Jesus, the man says, I'll follow you, but first let me go and um, say goodbye to my family. And of course Jesus says, not what you expect Jesus replied no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God he doesn't say you and say goodbye to your family he's saying no no no, no. Uh, and the reason I think this is an allusion back to the um, Elijah Elisha story is notice he's talking about ploughing that's exactly what the young man was doing what does Jesus say no 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 start now okay and don't look back Right? don't look back. Why? Because if you're ploughing and you're looking back you can't plough a straight line. Right? Uh, now Russ who put these uh, slides together, where are you Russ? What, where are these from mate? Um, Iowa. From yeah. Iowa, okay. So <laughs> Russ is from Iowa here and uh, the big kind of tractor people in uh, Iowa would just happen to be? John Deere. John Deere, okay. Oh, yeah. Now you can drive a tractor can't you Russ? Okay, uh, which way do you look when you're driving a tractor? Straight ahead. Straight ahead, well yeah. done. Um, I've driven a tractor for half an hour and then my mate as a farmer sacked me because it wasn't straight. Uh, yeah, Jesus is saying, look ahead, you can't look back, you won't go straight. No regrets. Move, like, do it and do it now and move on. All right. And so when you put those three little cameos together, to follow Jesus it'll be costly, you'll be out of your comfort zone. Put him ahead of all social conventions, more... More important than everyone. And then Jesus will tell you how to treat people. Uh, Start now. Don't look back. Look forward. What's he saying? In terms of how I started, there's no association. You're in 100% or you're not. If you look at the outline, you notice three things to notice. The first one is this. Did you notice that Jesus doesn't say... Go that way. What does he say? Yeah. Two words. He doesn't say to Bill, "Go that way." He says, "Follow me," which means what? He's must be out in front. Been doing some reading lately about the Gallipoli campaign. Uh, interesting book. A friend of mine, who's Turkish, gave me a book written by two Turkish men about the whole Gallipoli campaign. Fascinating, fascinating book. Uh, and the Gallipoli thing, that just the slaughter of young men on both sides came from what? From old generals behind the lines giving orders. Jesus isn't like that. Anything that Jesus calls someone to do, he's out there in front, he's done it. And he's done it tougher than anyone who follows him. And Jesus is on a mission. He's not calling people to be good, whatever. He's saying to people about what? The kingdom of God. And that's what he preaches about, speaks about it again and again. What does he mean? Uh, he talks about you know, proclaiming the kingdom, serving the kingdom. The kingdom of God isn't a place, it isn't somewhere you can kind of drive to or even something that you can kind of touch it. It's much more a dynamic idea. It's the idea of the reign of God in people's life, as in the reign of God's king. It's people knowing God through his king, through Jesus. And Jesus talks about it all the time. And if you have the eyes to see the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God's at work even now. And Jesus teaches it'll begin small like a mustard seed and it'll grow huge and fill the world. Uh, it, it's there hidden and yet when you see it's the most precious of all, pearls or gems and you'll give anything to, to get access to it. To, to come. And one day the kingdom of God will bring a new creation and the promise of eternal life for people. And Jesus is on a mission and he calls people to be on mission too, to follow him. I put it to you that we're actually wired up to live for something bigger than just ourselves. I don't know if you noticed this picture in the Sydney Morning Herald, I think it was the day before yesterday, of three I noticed the Herald calls them jihadis now. Three young guys involved in uh, jihad with uh, IS or ISIS. This young guy in the middle is an 18-year-old Australian and everyone's scratching their heads, why would a kid from Australia be that? Look, I know it's controversial and I know there's, there's many aspects to it, but I've done a lot of youth work and I can tell you, young people want something to live for. That's part of it, something bigger than themselves. Because what does our culture offer? Well, when you're 18, it's party, you know, and when you're a teenager, it's party, 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 you know, endlessly. And then when you grow out of that a little bit, it's, well, you need to be a backpacker and you need to travel, don't you? you know, indulge yourself. Take the year or two or go to all the exotic places and get the ultimate selfie. I actually, I've seen the now, um, people, you can get a thing like a pole. I was told this morning it's technically called a selfie stick, okay? And you can hold it. So you can take selfies of yourself with all different, hmm, Okay. Uh, and then, the next most important thing is of course to get the, the dream house, it will make everything new and everything will come true and it will be wonderful and then after you work 30 years to pay off the house and then you can become a grey nomad and uh, go to the Kimberleys and like, I've been up there, I wasn't a grey, I was a bald nomad, okay. <laughs> so I went up there as a bald nomad, there's like a billion acres and there's nowhere to park. And, and the grey nomads would get up in the morning and pack up really quickly so they could sprint to the next place to park in. Anyway. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a grey nomad. There's nothing wrong with owning a house. I've got a mortgage myself. There's nothing wrong with backpacking and there's nothing wrong with partying when you're a kid. But if that's all, if that's all there is, and you can call it lifestyle or you can call it hedonism, but uh, it's empty. True. Is it any wonder that kids 18 look for something that's bigger than they are and, and Jesus understands that? Unfortunately, the way the Christian life is often portrayed is this. Come to Jesus, trust him, get forgiven, and that's true. And here's the unfortunate part. Oh, look, um, you've become a Christian. Good. because you just please go and sit on the spiritual bus and uh, we'll be with you in 30 or 40 years trouble is you let people or kids sit on a bus for any length of time, what do they do? They start fighting with each other. Right? They should be on mission. They should have a mission. They've got, they got something to do. This man understood. Ernest Shackleton. Uh, in 1914, Shackleton, the Antarctic explorer, wanted uh, to launch a new venture on a ship called the Endurance. Here's the ad that went in the paper. Men uh, In the Times. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, <coughs> honour and recognition in case of success, Ernest shackle. The legend goes he needed 27 people for the crew and he got 5,000 applications. Now, I'd love to say it's true, but from everything I can find on the net, that advertisement didn't happen. Shackleton wrote a letter to the Times, which was much more, in an English way, much more subdued and kind of gentlemanly, etc. But the voyage itself, man, what an adventure. The Endurance gets stuck in the Antarctic ice and slowly crushed. Shackleton makes a mul- hundreds of miles across to Elephant Island in just a lifeboat, and then again to Georgia Island, and they're away for two years, and he saves every man. There's not a life lost. What an adventure and understood it. And Jesus understands it too. And so he calls people to follow him, to be on mission. And you see what happens with, the, um, with those three little cameos? What's he saying? Be prepared to move out of your comfort zone. Put him above every other relationship. And don't look back. No regrets. Now this is the, the way the Bible works if you're not used to it. This is a kind of the broad brush kind of, um, you know, big sweep Jesus calling people to follow him. The details of what would it look like to follow Jesus day by day are worked out in the letters. Um, There's uh, 15, 16 letters at the end of the New Testament of what it would look like day by day to put the kingdom of God first, to serve Jesus and, and so to serve others. Is it glamorous? Usually not. Does it have value? Yes. Jesus promises value into eternity and he promises recognition and glory when he returns. Last point to notice uh, how many people will do this? You know, how many people will want to be associate members but aren't real members? And did you notice with, with the uh, second and third would be disciples, there's a problem? And it's got three letters. Jesus calls them to follow him, and the first thing they say is, but. Mm-hmm. But. Um, but let me go and bear my father. But let me go and kiss my family. But, uh, and with the three of them, did you notice Luke doesn't tell us whether they followed him or not? It's like Luke says there was this excuse, and then this, and then, and the, and the point is he's asking us, what would, what would we do? So how many people will actually sign up to follow Jesus? How many people will do this? And the answer is wrong question. Uh, one day. Somebody did ask Jesus just how many people will follow him, will be forgiven, will have eternal life. So Luke chapter 12, once again, on his journey to Jerusalem. And we're told, Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? So as I look around, there's only a few people who are really serious about following Jesus. how How many will be? And Jesus answered, Don't worry about them. What about you, personal? He says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door and will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us, but he'll answer, I don't know you or where you come from. The point being, make sure that you accept the offer before the door is closed because there is a termination date. The offer does end. Don't worry about... Are others for real? Worry about ourselves. So let me finish with a kind of really simple. Ah, it's a little bit cliched, but it's fun. A really simple summary of what Jesus is saying here. Want to follow Jesus? What he wants is commitment, not involvement. Commitment, not involvement. Now, what's the difference? Well, the difference can be explained with one of my favourite things: bacon and eggs. Now, I know not all of us eat pork. I say this usually. But forgive me, I think you'll get the idea of this. It's just a little example, of illustration. Uh, I bake eat bacon eggs for breakfast, if I can, five mornings a week. I just love it. Um, but how does that explain the difference between commitment and involvement? Easy. The pig's committed. The chicken's involved. Get the point? Okay, yeah. Commitment and involvement. That's what Jesus wants. And so you might want to ask yourself about where you stand with him. Will you truly follow him? Will you embrace him? Will you be on mission with him? Because he, he doesn't have associate membership. How do you determine when you're reading the Bible uh, between hyperbole and what is literal? I mean, is all of the Bible hyperbole or is all of it literal or what? Uh, yeah, good question. I think generally, if you, if you read the Bible on balance let's just pick, pick the New Testament if you read the New Testament on balance you can work out what's hyperbole and what's not so here um, Jesus says you know, uh, can I you know, bury my father and Jesus says let the dead bury their own dead uh, but if you turn over to Mark chapter 7 Jesus rips shreds off the religious leaders because they refuse to care for their parents as they should okay? and one of the last things that Jesus does as he dies on the cross is make sure that John, uh, his disciple, will care for his mum, Jesus' mum. And so Jesus says, definitely care for your parents. This is a place of him making the point about what's... Right? Is you, or elsewhere, Jesus says, you know, if, um, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Or if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Does he really mean chop off hand? No. What he means is if what you do takes you away from God, stop it. If what you see takes you away from God, don't look at it. So I think it's kind of a... Read everything on balance, and then there's an element of common sense. You can work it out. Um, Next question. Just uh, defining one of the points you brought, or one of the definitions, I think. What does spiritually dead mean? Okay. Um, Essentially what Jesus means is separated from God. I think the way that the Bible sees the world is that God is the source of life, physical and spiritual life, and that when we walk away from him, we, we begin to die. The Bible says that if we're not in relationship with God, we're spiritually dead and we're actually on the way to being physically dead as well. And so when you come back into relationship with God and God promises if you'll do that, if you'll trust Him, He'll give you His Spirit and His Spirit will change the way that you see God, give you insights about Him, change your heart, you come to spiritual life. It's, it's an in-your-face way to see the world, but that's what, that's what Jesus says. It's, he's very black and white. Anybody have anything you want to push back on, or question, or anybody have any written have no, no written question? Okay, we'll go ahead and um, just to, uh, going after one of your points. It says, "Can't I just follow the rules but and not follow Jesus?" Um, you know, do it. Can't I just be a good person without being religious? Okay, simple answer, I guess, or straightforward answer. Of course, you can be a good person and not be religious. Like. Okay. I know plenty of people who don't believe in God and live a really good life. Um, I just think of one of my relatives. She's, she's a lovely lady. I'm sure she's a nicer person than I am, probably lives a better life than I do. Uh, yeah, she's, she's good. But I just wonder if, if we could just bring God into the picture, because that's what we're talking about, what God thinks. What does God define as good, first of all? And that, that kind of cha- begins to change. It. Because one day they ask Jesus, Of all of the commandments in the Old Testament, and it's a big book, of all of the commandments in the Old Testament, what's the most important? Now, my guess is most Aussies would say, oh, don't kill anyone. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, the most important thing according to God is this, love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. In other words, live your life for the one who has given you life itself. Treat God as God and acknowledge Him first, Jesus, and then love your neighbour as yourself. So you can live what we think is a good life, you been know, there and actually have missed the whole beating heart of what God wants, and that is for him to be honoured as God. That's so that's you kind of to front up before God and say, Well, I lived a good life, here I am and God says, Well, actually you spent your whole life ignoring me, the one who gave you life itself. And actually in trouble. Yeah, so... Not hard you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, based on based on what you were talking about, what Jesus you know kind of being confronted by the three different cameos, I think mm-hmm. you would say, um, do we have to leave our current life, family, jobs, etc., to follow Jesus? Anisha, like first of all, no, no, maybe. <laughs> okay. but it, no, because. What's going to change fundamentally is our heart before God. And so, uh, like I said, the details of how to live out the Christian life are in the letters that the Jesus' followers wrote. So you may stay in the same job, but who, how you work and how you treat people and why you're doing that and your attitude about yourself may change completely. You may stay in the same house, but all of a sudden it's not the meaning of life. And how can I use this to be generous to other people? You may still go on holidays, but who you take with you or where you go may change. so that your motives and what you're doing in your life may change completely. But it may also be that the way that God has gifted you, your abilities and your opportunities, and you you may realise actually the kingdom of God, people need to know Jesus, and I could do that better in Cambodia or Africa or wherever. And you might that might be weird, okay. Yeah, so, no, not necessarily change, but maybe. How can I best serve Jesus and his kingdom? Maybe to stay in the Sydney CBD, exactly where you are. Maybe to, yeah. Like I said, it's an adventure. Shackleton understood it. Jesus understood it. I don't know anybody who's really serious about serving Jesus who's bored. Well, actually, there's one, one. the last question was kind of more of a clarification, or going back in your notes, um, I guess you went a little quick on the one, it was the first three you're, points. You you're had. assuming I have some idea what I said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the first three points that you brought up, I think, before you, the uh, comfort zone, don't look back, what, what were those? Ah. Uh, yeah, uh, those three things. The apologies are three cameos that will take you out of your comfort zone, uh, you need to put him above every other relationship, and then he'll tell you how that works. Okay. Um, and start now. Don't look back. It's not about regrets. Okay. They were the three. All right. Did that help answer? Because I, I want to make sure whoever needed those notes. But also, you can always come up and, and ask oh. out questions. Oh, yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to... Oh, by the way, if, you've, um, if you haven't ever read Luke's Gospel, it's a great read. Uh, we've got these little uh, Gospels of Luke uh, called The Search... Um, if you're a little bit not real easy about reading the Bible on the train, no one's going to know that that's Luke's Gospel. <laughs> okay. uh, and, uh, yeah, the text is there, and if you'd like to read it, we've got some of these for free. We do. Back, yeah, they're okay. free. No worries, uh, just uh, grab one if you'd like to read it. Yeah. And the travel narrative starts at which verse? 9. Oh, 9.51, well done. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh wow, somebody wants to ask, ask, put it oh, up again okay. and ask a question. Yeah. You. you got a couple bus riding Christians and associate Christians mm-hmm. how, would you, how would one know how does one know that they are bus riding or associate Christians and how would you know that you're a full membership Christian ah right okay yes how do you know that it... and that is I think the question is does your trust in Jesus actually change the way that you live and are there sharp areas in your life where you are living differently because you follow Jesus? Okay, Where, where does, you know, another cliche, where does the rubber hit the road? Because I think, you know, if, just, if you never feel any pressure, if, Jesus never, if you never feel the call of Jesus to do things differently, and I'm not sure that you're actually really following him. Okay. Uh, trust in Jesus will mean a different and changed life. It's not your good works or doing good things that mean you'll get forgiven. But because you're forgiven, because you know him, life will change. Okay. If following Jesus is just like a warm bath and you're kind of half asleep or been bean bag you need to have a hard look at how you're actually living. Okay. It's a great temptation to have a plasticine Jesus and, and make him into the shape and the teaching whatever it is that we want, when you deal with the real Jesus, it's almost always uncomfortable as well. So, like to, I remember last week I sat down to have a look at this part of the Bible, but, Oh no, I don't know, but really, there must be, skip you know, the probably the Good Samaritan somewhere, hasn't there? But no, you can't help but feel a bit uncomfortable when you look at this part of the Bible. you want to push back on that one, Lee? Well seems like a very important question to ask yourself because Jesus says that as associates or bus riding Christians, in a way, implies that you're not welcome or you won't be making it to the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, that's right. It is. It's kind of, someone being kind of half a Christian, no, you're not a Christian at all. And what I'm saying about bus riding is different, and that is I think some churches just say, oh, you believed in Jesus and kind of, have that been forgiven, that's great. Well, just kind of sit on your hands... Or could you turn up once a week for church for the rest of your life? No, 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 no. The kingdom of God's bigger than that, and there's all sorts of different analogies used. There's work to do, and and it's the more you get involved, the more actually exciting and energetic and and is it hard work? Yes. Is it glamorous? Usually not. It's, but there's there's work to do. It's not just sitting on the bus waiting. The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.